This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studio, it's AMI Audio's on air community. Standing by, just any moment it's going to happen where Elon Musk is going to kick me off Twitter. Are All right. you? Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, he's getting rid of so many other people. Like, he'll just, not so much on Twitter, I know, but in the administration. A scene on Twitter? No, I never. I'm quiet. I just, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's that perceived status, you know. Uh, <laughs> we're seeing a lot of interesting things as people threaten about leaving uh, because they feel they won't be able to have their free speech. And the other day when we were talking about it, Rummy, on the program, I asked the question of, I think it was to Paul, have you thought of using any of the other clients or anything? Mm-hmm. Have you ever experiment with any of the accessible ones? Or Because I know other people who have said uh, Twitterific, they just move off to using that. Um, I think it was when we were talking about using another platform and the ones that have been proposed and would you really go over there or is are you so entrenched with Twitter and the people who utilize it if you're going to use it I'm not you know whether you're into it to use it much or not what I'm not so much focused on uh, when I say entrenched that it's your life or anything like that but as a client to use for this platform would you use that app stick with it or ever use another one. I'm just talking in general, not Elon Musk yeah. related. Yeah, and I, I generically think of platforms, Kels, as you're talking specifically about uh, Twitter. I'm thinking, well, any of the apps that I'm using right now for social networking, am I loyal or is it just until the next thing comes up or until this one really um, no longer works for me? And I think that we're just, we're fickle. Like, at least I am. I, Do you I think don't... that's an accessibility thing? Because if you Not know something, you've got it, you're comfortable, why would I bother for, for you know, to Sometimes, use Twitterific over Twitter, you know, the Twitter uh, native app? Sometimes apps just don't stick around because they can't uh, hold down the longevity, right? Or it was great for a certain phase, but then it got phased out because some other app was doing better and yeah. something that you're more interested in. And you grew in. into so, that and the needs yeah. and the versatility of it. Like I can tell with um, platforms like Facebook, maybe even Twitter, people who are on are struggling to get off because they've done it for so long now. It's their go-to app or platform for certain kind of things. But then, you know, look at places like Snapchat. It was great and it was this huge boom. And then you don't really hear about it anymore. Do people still use it for personal reasons? Probably, but it's not making the news like everything else does. So, eh. I find it interesting to think because I I don't, for me, would never have thought of, well, why would I use something else to use Twitter but Twitter? Why yeah. would I use, you know, Twitterific or something? Else? In my mind, it never really, until someone says, well, accessibility. If it's an accessibility issue, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. You go looking elsewhere. But you're still looking to these other apps to use Twitter, right? Yeah. Like when you're saying Twitterific, you're, it's still an alternate way of using Twitter. Twitter. But I'm thinking, would you move on to Something else. Something completely. else. And and mm-hmm. I I know we tend not to, but it's moving on to another way of using that client that I'm thinking, would I would I ever I wouldn't even think to do that. Yeah. Like is there something oh, you know that's This is what a good example. WhatsApp and Signal. Right. When a lot of people right. moved over to Signal to have the pretty much the exact same experience, maybe a little tweaked, but the exact same experience because they were worried about privacy and end to end encryption. And I was I went on to Signal for maybe three days and then I came back to WhatsApp because it's just what I knew. 
And I think that's so much of it by our patience, our level of what we know. I mean, security is important. I guess if you're told, hey, this thing is terrible security, everything you're writing is being taken down somewhere, but this you can utilize the same. You could do Twitter and never have to worry about that because we can prove to you it's security proof. You yeah. know, you, you're good. Okay, that would be a reason to move. Otherwise, I don't think I'd have the patience to sit there and, oh, why am I learning something different? Because except accessibility. So security mm-hmm. or accessibility, obviously, for us, those main things, but I don't even think of it. To me, well, can't you, when I first started out playing on Twitter, there's only one way to use Twitter, and that's use Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at what we've got coming up on the Friday edition of Kelly and Company today. Google's new prototype AI tool does the writing for you. John Beeler, he'll be here in a bit to tell us more. A group in Simcoe County, that's in Ontario, is showing support for families in recognition of Canadian Down Syndrome Week, and Karen McGee has the details on it. And in hour two of the program, when Ryan Huey joins us for the Chatty Bookshelf, Audible is collaborating to bring modern retellings of classic Charles Dickens works. We'll talk to him about it uh, in the second hour of the program. Chinese rocket depends on gravity... <laughs> to deal with its space debris? This morning, the airspace over a large swath of Spain was closed, and online betting pools took wagers on where a 23-ton rocket launched a few days ago from China would fall back to Earth. The concern, of course, was that it might land on a populated area. The U.S. Space Command now says it came down in the south-central Pacific Ocean and was a threat to no one. Jim Ryan, ABC News. So we talked about space debris and how many satellites and things are, are floating around up there. How do we get down some of these things, or do we just start polluting up there as we've done our, our planet? Um, and least-wise, I'd love to see us if we're bringing this stuff back and it's safe to bring back into um, our space here on Earth, that we could get rid of some of this stuff, Rum, without it being an issue, a health issue for anyone, or without the stuff falling on anyone. Yeah, we know that this is something uh, kind of in the background that um, people have been working on and and groups have been working on because it is a big deal, but it's obviously not the center of attention, right, when we're thinking of um, upgrades and innovations for space exploration, but definitely important, as you're saying, for health, for the planet, for all the above. I remember being a kid when Space Lab was coming back to Earth. And its uh, rotation was decaying and it was getting to where it was going to re-enter the atmosphere. And I remember as a kid being so excited about it, thinking it's so cool, but being scared that what if it falls right here at my home on Griffith Street, right on the roof? Mm-hmm. It was one of those things. That, no, come on, the chances of that. But it could happen. In my head, as as a 10-year-old kid or 11, whatever the heck I was, it, it could happen. And, and I can't even imagine that kind of thing going on. And in our world, you think, well, we've got all this space, but it really gives you this idea that, yeah, we're, we're populated. There's people, things everywhere. But in a lot of ways, things like that could reenter the atmosphere or enter the atmosphere, fall yeah. and, and not hurt anybody. Um, but it's still to me, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Even the components that aren't exiting the atmosphere and then potentially re-entering, like all the the fuel and everything else that comes with launching, um, there there's uh, you know information that people are still trying to make that minimal impact, right? Yeah, and for and sure. minimal. Um, 
Well, yeah. especially the pollution. And, and again, we pollution, want safety right, yeah. and, and people, even meteors coming in. You know, the, the meteor, we have no control over um, unless there is a way to intercept or, or shoot it down. And then you're still dealing with different things as we hear them talk about shooting down rockets that, that are coming in or, or missiles uh, mm-hmm. that are coming in. So it, it, it it's to me kind of makes you stop. It's like, wow, what we can do, but there's so much open there that we can't do and have no control over that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about so many things being taken hostage of of late, and when I say of late, in the last few years. Uh, in a case of reality, meaning fiction, producer and writer Adam Rodness says that $250,000 worth of equipment was stolen and offered up for ransom before the filming of their new heist movie called Vandits even began production. We started getting calls from different locals blackmailing us, saying, send me 300 bucks to this email address. I'll tell you where your truck is. Then the RCMP got involved because of the blackmailing. So now, like, this little Canadian movie <laughs> is like the biggest news piece in, like, the Midwest. Wow. You're naming, you're, you've got this, like, cool name. For this movie, uh, Vandits, and your van with all your stuff gets stolen by some bandits and put up for ransom. Irony. Oh, my gosh. The movie starts a one-week run in theaters today in Toronto, Winnipeg, and Halifax and will be available um, online for uh, on-demand, that is, online in December. Up next, Grant Hardy joins us. He's got the latest lifestyle headlines. Thanks yesterday to Brock and Danielle for filling in for us while we were shooting Kelly and Rumya promos. Um, <laughs> really thank them since there was some technical stuff that went on. Ugh. Sorry, guys. That was not done by design. It, it just worked out that way. Uh, they earned their money, folks. Uh, if you want to reach out to the program, feedback at AMI.ca. You can send a message to the gang over there, communications and marketing, feedback at AMI.ca, and they'll uh, certainly pass it on to us. If you can call us if you'd like to, and if you do, give us permission to use your message. Maybe we can use it on air and mention it's for Kelly and Company, 1-866-509-4545, one 509 is the way to do it. And, of course, on Twitter, you can follow along at AMI-audio. That's the handle. Just follow along with what's happening segment to segment on the program at AMI-audio on Twitter. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald as we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend. We welcome Grant Hardy in now who joins us. And Grant is here to deliver a little lifestyle conversation with us. Grant, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me. Where do you want to start, sir? Yeah, so I've got... There was a loose theme for the week. The loose theme is sort of transitioning from Halloween time to that kind of fall-winter time. And in fact, we mm. kind of skipped fall here in Vancouver. We went from a hot October. We were all, like, lying out of the grass at the park right to, like, there could be snow next week. So it's kind of <laughs> We've been seesawing. Uh, we, we've had the cold. Uh, we've had the fog. We've had, you know, winds. And now we're going to get a little bit windy, but nice warm temperatures where they're saying, we're going to break some records. 
well, don't talk to me about that. <laughs> I love those room temperatures. All right. Um, I found this article from Vancouver is Awesome, which is a local sort of news lifestyle site here. And it talks about fireworks and firecrackers around Halloween, which is a very polarizing issue here. Um, so while fireworks are actually illegal to light off in Vancouver, it seems that a significant portion of uh, their readers ignored that bit of the law October 31st, because in a poll, more than 7.7% of readers in Vancouver said they light off fireworks for Halloween. Wow. Well, that was the least number of votes, the, the, the option that caught the least amount of votes. It still means that 28 out of the 402 local respondents had or were planning to light off fireworks. Uh, now, um, when including people from outside of Vancouver, the percentage bumps up to more than 8.4%. But the vast majority of locals aren't into personal fireworks performances. More than 70% of people agreed with the statement, nope, not my thing. Legally, hmm. consumer fireworks are not supposed to be set off in Vancouver. The city banned them back in 2020. Provincially, they're still allowed between October 24th and November 1st. But many municipalities have their own bans similar to the one in Vancouver, on Halloween night, fire crews with Vancouver Fire Rescue Services patrolled the streets. They responded to more than 70 complaints related to fireworks. They say that tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage was done. Uh, and in, outside of Vancouver, fireworks weren't very popular either, with some saying it was one of the worst years. I have also noticed that just anecdotally in my community and like I'm in various Facebook groups and stuff too. Fireworks are very polarizing. There are some people that say, look, Vancouver is pet friendly. This is not good for our cats. It's not good for our dogs. It's not good for people with PTSD who are maybe, you know, refugees here or have escaped some, some conflict. And then you seem to get this other local, uh, local minority of people who are don't tell us not to have fun. This is what Halloween is all about. And, you know, the Vancouver no fun crowd strikes again, you know, so. <laughs> That's I'm its curious. own group, eh? <laughs> the oh, Vancouver yeah. no so, fun crowd. <laughs> so I'm curious to know where you guys stand. I, I have a little bit of trauma related to fireworks because I used to walk through a park to get home from school. And around Halloween, the kids would always be throwing firecrackers and stuff. And the thing is that I can't, couldn't really see like how close they were. They always sounded closer than they actually were. And I didn't really know even from which direction they were coming from. So I don't want to speak on behalf of the community, but I would think that for someone like myself, and especially walking with a guide dog, uh, which I'm not doing now, but I have in the past, that it would be uh, a little bit more hazardous maybe than average. So I'm curious what you guys think. I, I think that definitely it would be jolting to not know fireworks were happening. Like certain days of the year, you can expect fireworks and therefore you're potentially by default not on edge um, because you are you can prep for 
fireworks being around, uh, sound of fireworks, walking by fireworks, whatever the situation is. But on days like when you're talking Halloween, I'm thinking, oh, I don't think I would prepare for that, <laughs> you know? And it was the <laughs> same thing with other uh, days of the year where I was like, oh, I didn't even realize people were putting up uh, putting up fireworks um, for this occasion. And that would be jolting. I for some reason, like as I get older, sounds seem to make me jump a lot more, even though there's so much construction around me. Um, when I pass by it, it, and something happens, like, I don't know, crane or whatever, uh, it still makes me jump. So I'm thinking that fireworks are going to probably fall in this category for me soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an yeah. interesting yeah. thing because I, I, my impression in Ontario it's three days a year legally you're allowed to set off fireworks, um, if okay. I have that right. I believe New Year's Eve, uh, you know, Canada Day and the Victoria Day Victoria weekend. Victoria Day long weekend, okay. The rest of the time, you're not supposed to. It's supposed to be legal. However, I think that generally the rule of thumb is if you have it at a reasonable time and you're not damaging anything. When you point out the damage stuff, Grant, you know, it, it gets saying, well, what the mm-hmm. heck? Aren't you supposed to be doing this safe? We hear all about safety. What damage? And I I don't can't even really perceive what the damage is, so I don't want to speak to that. But I find that people get doing it later and later in more densely populated areas because, well, I can, it's my backyard or there's this park here minding its business between these three buildings. I'm going to do fireworks right here. And I think that that's where we're getting into trouble. We've seen horrible scenes in Toronto with people pointing fireworks at people and firing them off. Okay. That's just dangerous insanity that, that, you know, you you need to be jailed for it if you can be caught. So uh, that stuff, isn't just scary. Um, the fireworks themselves, you know, that's outside of, like you said, pets and, and stuff like that, where some people say, well, hold on, uh, you know, no one forced you to get a pet or uh, no one forced you. I don't know what other circumstances. There's always going to be that crowd that you mentioned, Grant. So I am of the belief, I wish we stuck to what we're supposed to, whether it be legal, legally. Um, don't step outside that. Have respect. of Even if that person has just got to get up for work, those people with those cats, somebody who may have come from another country where, where war and, and loud bangs like that meant death, uh, I, I do think yeah. all of us should consider and be respectful and stop being so quick to say, well, you don't have the right to come in here and spoil my fun, Grant. You know, I'm allowed to yeah. fire them off at 2 in the morning if I want. That, well, that's it. That's exactly it. And it's a tough one because I don't want to be this conservative, like, you know, curmudgeon mm-hmm. telling people, you know, no fun is allowed ever. But, but reasonable is reasonable, right? Like, yeah, you're allowed, yeah. you, you pay for your apartment, you're allowed to walk in, and if the wind catches the door and it slams at 2 in the afternoon, you're oh, jeez, that was loud. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know that happens. No matter what, you're paying rent. You can't just open the door and yell out, shut up, neighbors. I'm allowed to slam it. it it's, it, that, you, you know, it. there's decorum and manners. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Maybe, maybe find some place to do it where it's not super yeah. close to residential areas. That's, that, that's my thing. And uh, But so when you say Vancouver, is that ban like year round or just in that period of time at Halloween? No. So in BC, there are some, uh, it's banned mostly, but there are some exceptions for around Halloween. But oh. in Vancouver, hmm. it's banned 100% of the time. We don't do that Halloween. here. I, I don't think people yeah. do that here. Fireworks are not, on Halloween, 
And again, folks, obviously, I'm not, I can't speak for every inch of the province, but or even my city. But I, geez, I don't think I've ever heard them around now. Yeah, around that's actually time. wow. That's actually what I've heard too. Is that Vancouver considers it kind of this like rite of passage, but actually that it's very unusual in other places. Yeah, that yeah it's interesting. Such a huge thing in Ontario, but you go to another city and you just don't don't hear them. Well, um. That is done. Halloween is gone. I've got one more article if we've got some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about some ways to save heat. Found this article on Consumer Reports. Now, their first suggestion is just to turn down the temperature on your thermostat a few uh, degrees. Uh, but they also say if you can, if you own your home or you're renting and you've got a great landlord, get a smart thermostat. This is something I have actually done. I did this a couple of years ago. I got a smart thermostat. And, you know, they are brilliant because they're accessible. There's no just sort of like twiddling the dial and wondering what you've set it to. Uh, and they are also able to respond to triggers so that not only can you schedule it for certain times, but you can set it to turn down the temperature maybe when you leave the house and turn back before you're you're coming back. So if you have the ability to do that, I would highly recommend spending the money because it could end up uh, saving you uh, quite uh, a lot of money. Um, let's see here. This is kind of an interesting one. Capture cooking heat. They say, are you done making dinner? Turn off the oven, but leave its doors open open mm. uh, and yeah. let the residual heat warm up your home you've paid for it well i suppose it's a little debatable if you have a service animal or a guide dog yeah. or a kid you might not be able to do that but perhaps uh here and there you might be able to do that um, maybe if you're not going back in the kitchen at all but i do find this to be a, a bit dangerous and sometimes i um i leave my oven open a crack like just to get to cool the down. heat out of there yeah mm-hmm. like to cool it down for for you know a, a whole other reasons but um i i worry about that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, me- yeah. I remember my family doing it in montreal when i was a kid if heating was weird they they'd run it a bit and leave it open a bit, but it, there was always the fear of make sure you know kelly knows it's open and just you know and sometimes we'd sit out there around it even because you know if heat was a problem i don't really remember the reason i was too young but grant we're all out of time sir all right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, as usual, thank you. thank you, sir, and wonderful stuff. Bringing that great conversation. Grant Hardy joining us on Fridays for Lifestyle, and on Wednesdays he's here with a health checkup with us, where we have a little chat and conversation of things that he comes across, as we love to do here on the program. Coming up next on Kelly and Company, Google's new prototype AI tool does the writing for you. Hmm. John Beeler. Also out west in Vancouver, he'll be here in a moment to tell us more. For your weekend, you got some podcasts here, brand new that came out this week. You might want to check out. 
Kitchen Confession, of course, was out on Wednesday. Into You this week as well. Low Vision Moments and The Best of the Buzz with Bill Shackleton. That's also out this weekend, as a matter of fact. Uh, you also can count on a, a, a new one from uh, My Life in Books. This time, Alberta author... Prima Muhammad joins our host, Red, and uh, they have a fantastic conversation. So you can find all those podcasts available to you when you search AMI-audio podcasts and subscribe. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Well, we get to our Friday app updates with John Beeler from Get Connected, and he joins us from Vancouver as well. So fun. Um, as Kelly pointed out just before we came back, Vancouver, 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 well, B.C., all through the first hour of um, our every other Friday show, right, girls? Did I get that right? Yeah, every yeah. other Friday. Yeah. Next week every when Sylvie's Friday. around, that then we'll have the BC. Then we'll hour. have a BC wow. hour. Yes, today we have Karen. But you know, it's a good good. Uh, Leave it to Karen McGee to mess up things. Come on. Oh no, that's not where I was going. <laughs> anyway, John, nice to have you back. Yes, did indeed. You, uh, <laughs> did you did you experience any? I'm curious about this. Um, Halloween uh, fireworks that only Vancouver had seemed to know about. So do you know about this and have you witnessed it this year? Oh yeah. Every year. It's like oh, a war wow. zone where I live. Oh my. Okay. Well, now we know. Thanks How late do they go, John? That. Like, do you find it people here? The new phenomenon seems to be fireworks. And, and I was talking to Jeff Ryman only about after this. Midnight. Yeah. Like up until two in the morning, people are still saying, and then you start saying, well, is there a police department or a fire department in this city anymore? It's it's hard to tell where they're coming from though, because there's a lot of complexes and true, you know, true big yards. It'd be really difficult to figure out where it's coming from. Unless By the you're time you got there, they'd be done, right? Really? Yeah. Um, I find it depends on what day Halloween falls on. The weekends are worse, and definitely the, even this weekend, this past weekend before Halloween, there was a lot of fireworks randomly, like three days before. <laughs> but on the actual yeah. Halloween night. Yeah, it, if it's during week eh, midnight for me mostly, but I know some other jurisdictions were much worse. Let's go get candy, eat it, get all hyper, and put That's fireworks the off till one in the morning. Me because you're trick or treating, you're walking around, yeah. you're in costumes. Yeah. Is it really? Then you come home and you're fireworks idea. and eating. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't imagine out. that weekend stuff. And like you said, John, they're random sometimes. Like you'll be just sitting there, and all of a sudden at nine o'clock at night, <laughs> I mean, what the heck? Why is yeah. someone doing that on Thursday night? So strange. But anyways, let's move to Tech Talks because we have uh, some things we need to keep on our radar. There's a good chance that Meta has your contact information and you want to tell us how to delete it. Do you want to give us some background on this? Yeah, one of the things that a lot of people have discovered, even if they don't use Instagram and Facebook, is that their information is actually in those systems. And the reason why is because People, when they sign up for these accounts, one of the things that Meta does is like, hey, give us access to your uh, your contact information, all of your contacts on your phone or your computer, and we'll see who else you know that's already in the system. So it's, it's an easy way to onboard yourself into that world. If you're on Facebook, it'll show you who your friends are that are already on Facebook. I'm like, oh, well, there's John and there's Kelly, blah, blah, blah. The problem is that if I choose not to be on Facebook, Facebook gets my contact information from a friend who did that. And so you can actually go in as a non-user of Facebook or Instagram and see to what degree 
uh, they have information about you. So the the, tr the the sort of the sad thing about this, it's really buried. Like to find out where you have to go for this, I'm just going to tell you to Google the following phrase because it's more of a direct link than trying to find this in the help systems of Facebook, mm. especially if you're not even a user of Facebook, you would never get to this point. But if you look for information for people who don't use Meta products on Google, it'll give you a direct link to the page. It'll be the first result. And on that page, there is a, um, uh, a link that you can follow that gives you the ability to remove certain information. And just so people have some context, the information that they would have from a contact list would be things like your mobile phone number, your landline number, and an email address. And again, you may not ever have used Instagram or Facebook, but your information is probably, if you have a pretty big and social friend list in the real world, chances are someone in that group would have shared your information with Meta that so way. That's the part that's wow to me because it's not even you sharing. Mm -mm. It's not even like you could be the most private, but if I own your number and I've let uh, a Meta, you know, use my contact list or whatever, that's it. That's all it takes. Yeah. And this this is the same. And this is a common practice with a lot of apps. So sure. I never like to do that. I mean, yeah, it's easier to find my friends, but thing is i know my friends that would be on a certain platform anyways exactly i don't need to share my entire back catalog of all my exes and everything else in my contact list yeah but but the thing is you know your practice but if somebody else um does not do it that way then your stuff could still be up there absolutely you know or that common friend that doesn't want to be on facebook because of this exact reason their contact information is up there facebook yeah. did i say facebook yeah meta is it pretty wide if you when you go in there and edit it, John, to take care of it that way, deleting or whatever, uh, it, mainly for obviously the resources that are tied together like this where it's coming from. It, but I gather it would be fairly quick when you find it zip, and it's gone. No, it, there is a bit ah, of a delay. Ah, OK. Oh, OK. Um, and, and kind of the ironic thing about this whole process is you have to give them that identifying information for them to look for it. Right. 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 So it's so, out there again. Well, <laughs> like that's what you would feel like I did a search and now, wow, I, I deleted yeah, it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But what what happens is you have the ability, like, let's just say it's your mobile number. Uh, you put in your mobile number and then they'll say, well, where should we look for your number? Should we find it in Facebook and Messenger? Should we find it in Instagram? You can check both. And then if they do find something in there, they'll send you a, a message saying, hey, we found your number and they will... Um, give you a confirmation code, then you put that into the system. And then in theory, in a few days, your stuff should be gone. Hmm. It's wild to me that we're the ones who have to do this. Yep. Right. Like, a, they put it up there, but you have to request it to be removed. Literally. Yeah. And the yeah. same conversation about, you know, ads and advertising. Why am I opted in before having to opt out or even realize, you know, what's going on, right? Who's tracking me and how? Or and if you wish to opt out. Yeah, no, and it's by default, your information yeah. is being grabbed by yeah, not and, even you. And this is especially concerning for some people that maybe have a private number that, you know, an unlisted of number course. for safety and security reasons. Now this number is out there. And in theory, because it's been shared from the address book, it's already been associated in the system with a name that maybe is being tagged on a photo. And again, you're not in there, Ooh. but... Like there's a it's lot done. of, yeah, the horse is already out of the barn. Yeah. 
Extremely wow. frustrating. I mean, hmm. thanks for sharing the solution or, or one of uh, out there right now, but it's still very frustrating. Wow. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about erasing. As a matter of fact, Google can now remove identifying search results if they're the right kind. Do you see what I did there? I bundled these together. Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah. Look at that. So, so Google now has a new tool that allows you to do effectively the same thing from search results. So one easy thing you could do is just Google your phone number or your email address and see if it comes up in any search results. This would this would sort of indicate whether or not your 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 information is like in a in a publicly facing database of yeah. or contact information. You know, maybe maybe the website for the company you work for has that phone number on it too. Like you just never know where these things could live. And now with Google, when you do a search, there's these three little dots on the end of the search engine line uh, with your result that you can click on that and you have the ability then to request removal of this information so that it doesn't show up publicly on Google searches. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and because I know it's so, you know, we, we don't want to, whether it's advertisers and things suddenly popping up because you showed an interest in something or asked a question you know, out loud. That's fascinating. The, the big thing with having your personal information on the Internet somewhere yeah. is that there's bots. That's all they do is they look for phone numbers mm. and they try to figure out, OK, well, cross-reference this phone number that I just found on some random website. Uh, maybe it's because you were put down as the contact person for your yes. kid's little league soccer team or something like that. And now all of a sudden you're getting ads for something else that's completely unrelated because they know your phone number Yeah, and they can send you a text message. That's where I guess you even get some of those little phone rings that only go to second or third ring to be sure it's an actual line and you go yep. reaching for your phone and there's no one there. Not, they didn't even let it get to your machine. Wow. Just oh, unbelievable. Oh, oh. And and the, the ways of doing the stuff and the speed, I know, because you're talking mass amounts of numbers, mass amounts of contact that's out there, but the highway of the web and the speed that we keep wanting uh, at that t- these times works against us so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it, I mean, I, I like it's shocking to me to realize, you know, how much what of what we consider private information is just Googleable now. Right, and it used to be you Google people's oh my names good heavens. to see it used if to they're be out there. A pain to find anything out. Like if you wanted to know about an address, maybe you were curious sure. about a neighborhood to move into. Yeah. It was like breaking into a vault to get it. Now, no but problem. But now there's Google Street View yeah. of everyone's and home. Come on inside here, down here in the basement here. This is where he keeps his paints. And you Google your phone number, and it's just out there. Like everything's a Google result. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about more stuff with Google, but maybe this is good news. Google's the only person new... you are. You're just, you're just a Google result now. You're not yeah. even a person anymore. Mm-hmm. Google's new prototype AI tool does the writing for you. Yeah, this was uh, part of uh, something that was announced at Google's um, big AI event that they just had this week. And I just thought this was really interesting and completely unrelated to what we were just talking about. But I, again, this is artificial intelligence sort of I'm not sure yet if this is good or bad, and I'll let you guys sort of form your own opinions, but essentially what this tool is, it's called WordCraft, and it's meant for writers to get past writer's block and things like that. So it's not going to write a novel for you, but it can be specifically used to write fictional content. So say, for example, you're writing a, let's say, a, a comedy script of some kind or 
uh, a book or whatever, and you want to sort of jazz up a section, you can give Google that paragraph and it'll rewrite it for you in a certain style. <laughs> so you can make it funnier, you can make it sadder, you can make it dramatic, and you basically tell it kind of like how we've been telling these uh, AI image generators what the vibe of the photo that it wants to generate is. You can now do that with text to wow. generate text. I guess you could even... And it's it's pretty remarkable. And I guess you could do it with era, right? Like if you had a certain way you want it written, uh, but you were struggling with the the dialogue, the dialogue of that era, I guess you could take that same paragraph and, and get really? it kind of at least interpreted if you wanted... With a dialect? Old English or something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, slang. Um, mm. maybe even, you know, gender, like how, how a woman would say these lines versus a man. Like those right. kinds of things oh, can yeah. all be done with AI now. Wow. Okay, but what happens with copyright? Like are you going to give half of your rights to Google when you sell it? <laughs> and you know well, they'll be tracking it down. You'll have to go and cancel yourself online so it doesn't know <laughs> <yeah>. who. <laughs> Do you even need to it's, run anything? This whole AI anything? stuff is, is just a murky copyright mess right now. Yeah, yeah, because it is. Because a it, 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 no one is fully, no one has fully tested the legal rights of these systems, the people that create the systems and the people that use these systems and who actually owns the copyright. Because you know at some point someone's going to put something into one of these systems and mm. it's going to spit out, let's say, a joke that some famous comedian wrote and that mm -hmm. the AI found, twisted, and then spit it out kind of the same as the way it went yeah. in. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because it's as murky as you picking up something that helps you with your writer's blah from sitting in at a coffee shop and overhearing a conversation. Yeah. This reminds me of our turnitin.com days where, you know, you'd have to submit essays online, make sure that it goes through that system to, yes, to make uh, sure. remove, yeah, to remove any make type sure of plagiarism. You stealing, yeah. But now the plagiarism is going to point to the AI <laughs> for generated yep. writing. Wow. That is confusing. John, thank you so much. Always pleasure. John Beeler will be back next Friday for more app updates. How do we know that AI segment wasn't just plagiarized as well? Right. Like someone else could have said this an hour yeah. ago. And John, yeah, well, you know, the other John Beeler. We'll be back in a couple of moments. A group in Simcoe County, Ontario, is showing support for families in recognition of Canadian Down Syndrome Week. Karen McGee, he'll, she'll be here in a moment with the details. supposed to bring this show back in. I'm supposed to do the rest of the show while Amu then is over there deleting herself. Mm. Making sure there is no too late. sign. Too late. You can't really delete yourself. You see, that's the whole thing with what, what he said, you know. In that sense, if you, you know, I mean, it's never I guess somebody screaming and saying, it's never too late because to not everybody's yourself. searched you yet. Yeah, but, it's like you, to delete yourself, you have to almost put more of yourself out there again. Well, but then you also wonder wherever else you are, will you just recycle back out? Sure. You know, you might get rid of certain resources now, but eventually you'll oh, your phone number or your name will be put out there by someone or you're on a contact list. Well, that's once the thing. You're, it's not even you anymore. You share your contact list and somebody else has put you out there. Yep. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really, and I, it almost to me seems so overwhelming to figure out how you can protect oneself when it comes to that and to where you get to where 
well, should I bother, right? But exactly. then we get, answer that question. We get talking to Danielle McLaughlin so much about about our security, about our convenience, and at that point where we say, well, I'll let the bank worry about how to keep my, my identity uh-huh. and stuff safe because it gives me a headache to think otherwise. It really, really is overwhelming. On Wednesdays and Fridays, we're joined to talk about things going on in different regions around our country. Today, we're joined by Karen McGee, AMI Content Development Specialist in Morrisburg, Ontario. Karen, how's things today? Good. You guys just need to go full Ron Swanson. Uh-oh. Parks and Recreation reference? No. She'll know it. Head. She knows it. No, she I knows know it. it better than I do. Yeah, but we can't We can't do off the radar. Just doesn't. It doesn't work anymore. Off the grid, whatever. It doesn't work anymore. We have to... I know. I just, I just, it cracks people. me up. It cracks me up when he gets mad, when he realizes he tries to smash the computer. Yeah. He thinks that'll get him off. That'll get him out of there. That'll wipe, yeah. yeah, that'll get him whenever <laughs> yeah. he smashes his computer. So cute. Love that, sh- love that show so much. So, so I'm much. trying to think of what the old reference of something like that was a show where, where we where we saw a character do that and say, now they can't get all, it was like, again, something like a computer as if they totally then, aha, now nobody can find me. Um, You've got incredible topics today here to talk about. Last week was Canadian Down Syndrome Week. And a group in Simcoe County, Ontario, supports families in the area. Um, And and this is just amazing. Uh, Why is a group so important to families like this in this situation? So the big reason, and I think it's the reason that a lot of these organizations exist, and I think it's a very important reason, is to have connections with other families who are experiencing the same thing as you. Yes. So the Down Down Syndrome Association of Cinco County is a volunteer-driven charity, and it supports people living with Down Syndrome as well as their families. Um, And, you know, they, they... Simcoe County is huge. I used to live there. Um, they have 75 member families, and there's basically three main goals they list on their website. It's to provide support and information, um, to promote increased knowledge and understanding of Down syndrome to the community, which I think is really important and sometimes missed in, in organizations like this. And it's to assist ass- assessing services for families in need. And I really like what their executive director, Jennifer Van Gennep, told the Barry uh, today.com. So I'm going to quote her directly here. It's so valuable to provide spaces for our friends with Down syndrome to get together, valuable for them, for their parents, and for their siblings, to see people with Down syndrome at different ages and stages and feel like they are part of a bigger community that understands their stories. Like, mm. that's perfect. I can't I can't say it any better than that. You know, we, we get talking a lot about the strength of the disability community if we all band together. I know as, as members of the blind community, we're always saying that we really need to band together with other disabilities, other uh, marginalized groups, and make it huge so that it isn't that we become the minority uh, or sorry, the the majority and and people who you know are out there. Holy cow! They, 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 you know, there's I don't want to say safety in numbers, but if we can relate, if we can speak for support and help in some ways, without um, being a detriment uh, to, to the group, to ourselves, to the causes that are out there that just people need to be made aware of. How wonderful that would be. However, Karen, there is that point of how you relate to people closer to your circumstance in your circumstance. And sometimes we do need to stop as much as we say, yeah, we all need to hold hands as a, a disability group, for example, be strong, but also recognize, Hey, I need to talk to some people that may relate to my circumstances uh, a little more closely with a little more understanding. Can we talk about the activities? What, what kind of activities do they have? So they have activities for people of all ages. And I love this name for a, a young 
children's program, the We Ups, the oh, We nice. Ups and Downs program. We Ups <laughs> and Downs. I love that. I love a good pun. You know, I like me. the pun. I like the meaning of it too. Yep. Um, they supply new parent program packages to area hospitals, which can be, a, you know, it can be a bit of a shock. That can be a, a, a time when, when families need a lot of support, when the babies are just born. The Club 21 All Ages Social Group is open to all members, as are their bowling and dance programs and events like Christmas parties, World Down Syndrome Day dinner and dance. The Young Adults Day program is available three days a week for members who have completed high school. And that provides social interaction, life skills development, and community involvement. They have things going on all the time. And for more information, you can check out their website at dsasc.ca. I like the idea of things going on. I know sometimes people say you get too many things gone, it gets too busy. Yeah, but you know what? You can't attend everything. And it's always nice to know you don't, oh, I can't go to that event or we're going to be elsewhere. But that there's another event maybe a week or so after, not two or three months. So I think... That's really important, especially when you're having these these relationships forming. And coming out of the last two and a half years, um, getting these relationships back is really important. Yeah, there's a lot of, unfortunately, people who really need it, people who have been very compromised. And you want to be able to do it in the way that's great for you, safe for you. Um, but you definitely, I think, want to see the, the, the folks and reconnect. And, and that, that's great and, and healthy. Yep. Karen, one more story you want to get to. Benjamin LaChapelle from Montreal has completed another children's book. So what's this one about? So just a little bit about Benjamin first. He's a well-known artist and author, and I love the title of his latest book. Again, another good pun. It's called Pace Ants. It's P-A-C-E, hashtag A-N-T-S. It's about an anteater who learns a lesson, and wait for it, patience. Get it? Nice. Pace Ants. Patience. Yeah. I don't hear Kelly laughing. I'm really hurt because I thought that was excellent. (laughs) There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Um, So Ben was born and raised in Laurentians, Quebec, Canada, just a couple hours away from me. He is what's known as a speedy artist. Um, People always comment about how fluid and effortlessly he draws. He basically draws in one shot with no erasing or revisions and often in one continuous stroke with his pen never leaving the paper. I can't draw a... um, I can't draw anything. I'm just going to put that can there. You do the star. I am... Remember the star? I, that you had to I, I can do the star. Line? Okay. I can do the star, but it never turns out even. Oh. When yeah. it comes to crafting, I can craft. When it comes to actually using my hands to put pen to paper and do something, my husband is a very gifted drawer. I can't mm-hmm. that word always sounds funny. He can draw very well. He can paint very well. I, sorry, I just, I'm no good at stuff like that. So I really have a lot of respect for people who can do that. Especially in one continuous stroke, that's insane. Um, his art always involves animals because that's what he loves most. You draw what you know, you draw what you love. He cares deeply about the environment and all of the well-being of animal species. All his books have animals in them or about animals. Um, when he's not creating or collaborating, he enjoys reading um, about animals, of course. Walking his dogs, riding his bike. And he's also proficient at making all sorts of animal sounds and also a darn good whistler. Which is not as easy as it sounds. No, Patience by Guns N' Roses, you whistle that thing, man. That's not easy. Okay, I was just gonna I was just gonna say whistling in general, but that's because I can't whistle. Okay, so this sounds really, really cool. Um and he had a another book out before this one that also got really popular. He has a bunch of books out. There's a Yeti oh, nice. series he has out. I and and they're all like animal based. I tried to count them and I, I just I I couldn't mm. count them all. They're they're kids' books. 
Um, but they've got lovely messages in them, and you can get his books through Amazon. Um, you can also take a look at his website called Ben Animalia. So I'm going to spell that B E N A N I M A L I A dot com, and you can see all his other books listed there. Learn more about him and his work, which also includes paintings. He does animal sculptures as well, greeting cards, and calendars. Nice. I I feel like I could learn more about patience if it was about animals. You know, like all these different themes and morals, as long as it's about animals, I feel like I'd pay more attention. (laughs) Well, and then that's true for a lot of kids, not that you're a kid, but like young people, like children, like that's a really good way Mm -hmm. to teach them is, is with, is with animals and use examples. And, um, again, I love a good pun and, and patience, pace ants. Nice. Okay. So you were talking about Amazon. Is that where we can go to get the book? You cats, where you can get the book, um, amazon.ca, there's Kindle versions, um, his website has some links there as well. Um, go and support young artists and, and, uh, and authors like this. I always try to buy a couple books a year from some of these stories that I talk about and give them to yeah. my niece and nephews who are still of that age. When they get a little bit older and out of that age, I'll probably just donate them to the nursery school right. or something. Cause I think, I think these sorts of lessons that come from, um, I don't want to say non-traditional authors, but um, authors that maybe tell stories in a different way are very valuable for young kids to read. And that cover all kinds of um, situations, let's say. You know, like I'm thinking of for adults, we're reading a lot or hearing a lot more self-development stuff out there. You know, all these different things that we need to focus on for mental health and other reasons. Um, so those things, if you're going to talk to kids about these same subject matters, you got to do it differently. Um, and and this way seems to be really amazing. Not to mention all the other talents that you you highlighted about Ben. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a really talented young man. He's I um he's he works with Spectrum Productions as well that we've talked about a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, yep, Spectrum. Um, Karen, go on YouTube and look up. Remember on the Pink Panther cartoon, they had the Ard Anthony Ardvark. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I love a good that. Ardvark. I, but, okay, I, I have a question. That, like, don't the ants going up an Ardvark's nose really itch? Tickle, tickle, tickle. I would think right. Oh, I just, the idea. Especially especially if they're a fire ant. Can you imagine making the mistake and sucking a fire ant up there? You'd just be in so much trouble if you were an aardvark. You'd dance probably really funny. Oh, Le- my nose le- Leading is with your just, nose. My, my nose is hurting just thinking about it. Thanks. We'll catch you later. Great stuff. And go 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 scratch your nose now. Just don't go suck scratch my nose. Go enjoy this lovely weather in eastern Ontario today and Let me know, this weekend. Uh, let me know if you find them out on YouTube because I haven't looked for that. I haven't seen that in years, that cartoon. Wow. Our content <laughs> development specialists join us on Wednesdays and Fridays here on Kelly and Company. In the next hour of the program, Ryan Huey will be here with the Chatty Bookshelf. We'll get to uh, conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week, but we've got a special edition today as Danielle McLaughlin will join us. Up next, Bill Shackleton is here to kick off the second hour of Kelly and Company, Gateway Halfway Open. It's the buzz in a moment. Wherever you're listening in around the world, thanks for being with us here on Kelly and Company AMI-audio. Always appreciate having you with us wherever you be. Tune in radio, Radio Player Canada, whichever app you might be using. Ramya Muthan, she's at the home studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald at the home studio in London, Ontario, settling back for the second hour of the program. 
Wednesdays through Fridays, we bring him on board to kick the hour off. Bill Shackleton, remember this weekend, drops the best of the buzz. Shaq, that's our podcast where the best items you bring to us, uh, we, we, we showcase them. And um, <clears throat> we judge to see if they're the best. So our pens are ready, ready to type it in here. The the, the computer pen, that is, uh, to take down notes as to what may be today that you what you bring us the best of the buzz. Hello. I wonder whether the article today will make the grade. No, <clears throat> as you, you know, see, the, the pen is poised. The pen is poised, and you know, could be an X. Could be a check mark for it. All could, depends on Agnew and Amuthan over there. Hmm. Um. Why don't we do this one? Um. Basically, the 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 the, the thing about cell phones has come up again. Mm-hmm. Schools clash with parents over ban on cell phone use. So this is in the U.S. The it's come up again where school boards are well, some school boards are wanting the banning of cell phones. Now, they are saying that it detracts from the child's learning if, you know, if they're they're using their cell phones. I get that. You have uh, other parents that are saying, but we, you know, because the child has been home during the pandemic for so long, they sort of are a little bit reluctant to for the child to leave without sort of a um a connection to the parents so they want the cell phone um they want to be able to use, use the cell phones um my point of view from this article is that the i think it's up to the parents to te- to tell the kids that i mean i don't first of all i don't think the cell sh- phone should be banned at all um, I I think if they're used responsibly, um, I don't see what's wrong with them. But I think the parents have to tell the kids that, you know, whenever you use your cell phone, you are uh, detracting from your learning, which, you know, and, and the, the kids themselves have to realize that, yeah, I don't want to use that cell phone in class. Um, That's. Ramya, if this is where I kind of I and I agree, like I I'm not of the vintage of that thing shouldn't be there. Can't you be without your phone? Right. Because of being disabled and so many uses and value it has for us, and I think we see it differently. Whether you're traveling, you we've sat in meetings where you're like sort of surprised because you know people are whoo, sending messages or doing stuff as part of their work day and things that being asked a question that somebody needs an answer to so they can proceed with something. Whereas when cell phones, you know, like five, six years ago, it was not really acceptable to do that. Now it's understandable and part of your work tools. So, um, and as, as a disabled person, I wouldn't like it. If someone was telling me, no, I relate. I understand from the parents saying if something happens and again, not to pick on, you know, the U S because trouble can happen at any school anywhere in the world. But we know that, uh, you know, if there's a scare and there's a lockdown, that could be that, yep. that, that message to mom, that, that call it has that, happened. It has happened. And it's we, happened. well, we, we've heard about it with nine 11, how many people were yep. on their phones getting hold of family members. Mm-hmm. And that was over 20 years ago, Bill. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I say it's um you need these phones and it, but, what 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 but, happens but the one thing I will I, as you said about parents parents can only say so much can only do so much I understand the yeah. teachers are the ones that have to enforce it 
and we're not talking making phone calls, calling a friend and yapping on the phone like you know or so. we're talking so many other things whether it's the former Snapchat and all that stuff that was really busy and popular and people doing stuff or harassment of that. There are other w- weird things that are beyond, well, my understanding away and, and knowledge of because they're ever changing every day that people are using the phones for. And even in those brief little moments of doing one little thing and you can do so many things with your phone in mere seconds, causing those distractions from you. Yeah, I see the, the reasons why the parents and even some teachers and definitely uh, students wanting to use cell phones as valid. Like I, you know, reading through this article, it's not just distractions. It's not just uh, kids wanting to scroll through TikTok or whatever it is that we, you know, that would take them away from their education. And uh, it is actual fear, right? And concern that people are having. If we don't have these devices, we lose contact with people. And, you know, I hate to compare it to this, but it's like losing touch with your, when you have to get up and go to work now, um, not seeing your pets that you have had seeing, like you're seeing them all day, every day and the separation anxiety that you have. And parents are having this with their kids, right? The separation anxiety of not being with your kids 24 seven when you were homeschooling them all through the pandemic, which has now been several years. And these concerns are honestly valid. And if that means educators have to adapt to uh, students having their cell phones around, like I'm not saying on and, and, you know, notifications, not silenced, but if that means educators have to adapt to having cell phones around all the time, then that's just what it is. I'm sure there's a lot of concern over, you know, are you allowed to keep it on your desk? Are you able to check notifications when they come in? Um, You know, should you, where do you draw the line at having cell phones around? But think of it like more comparable to work. Yes, I have my cell phone out all the time. Right. Like we're, we we have our cell phones, we have uh, access to emergency calls and messages and notifications. So to some degree, shouldn't we be granting that right to students? Like, I think a cell phone is more than just social media now. It is contact with your parents, with your caregivers, with whatever. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think a lot of the, the concern is that it's it, they're used for social media too much. And I think that's one of the concerns. Okay, that the but that's one concern. Yeah. Yeah, but there's so right. much more combating that now too. There's focus modes. There's do not disturb. There's, uh, you know, actual understanding of the flexibility of having a phone on you, right? Like th- there's got to be compromise on both ends. Well, even for school use, there's so much now that oh, teachers with, with the portals and, and communication that you have with the yeah. teacher no, that are being yeah. done that way. Here's another interesting issue. Um, but this article brought up some parents believe that um, that the that that the cell phone should be banned in order to keep the the the, the parents from in getting involved in their kids' right. education. I don't know how true that yeah. is. They're talking but, about it being like um, yeah. you know keeping them out and and discrimination yeah. of sorts. And I kind of I kind of understand that also because oh, it's true. The more you cut off communication during school the the more it starts feeling like boarding school right and it doesn't have to be it's just day school but without your cell phone without that real-time information allowed outside of school you 
you have less and less uh, way to portray that, to are convey we, that. And are we beyond concern of um, cheating? Like, I, I, I don't know what one could do. If I don't that's, even know what cheating is anymore. Yeah, see, that's me like, too. what do you I consider wouldn't even know cheating? How, well, how, how can one find, you know, put answers somewhere? Can, yeah. Is this a concern of teachers? And I never hear that mentioned. It's the other distractions as if, yeah. no, we got yeah. the cheating covered. Don't worry about Short that. Short attention spans and all that. Okay, that's great. It. We know that this is an, an epidemic we're dealing with. Short attention spans, too much distraction, screen time everywhere, right? But there... Banning phones, I don't think, is the um, be-all, end-all solution. See, and and the I other issue is. I have, too, is, unfortunately, you're going to have teachers and, and assistants there that have the same addiction. You know, yeah, of course. The, the, Not just addiction, the same world. issues. Exactly. The same challenges. Whether it's on recess, whether it's between classes, picking up their phone to check for things, or and looking down and seeing a text in yeah. an emergency. Yeah. Leaving their loved ones at home and having to come to work, like all kinds of things. And cheating, by the way, is a conversation we had all through the pandemic when people were doing school from home. Yep. Uh, my brother says that they've basically everything they do is open book now. There's no such thing as closed book uh, exams or midterms or any of that because... There, there's no way people so can't what, track you. What you te- what you teach people, I guess, is the f- or how you judge them and base and grade them, is on finding the right answer. Yes, the resources, knowing yeah. the, the what you should be putting down, as opposed to just going from memory, like a memory test. Mm-hmm. So interesting, mm-hmm. or a, a quote knowledge. It's evaluating it differently. Yeah, and and again, you can show knowledge and knowing this is the right thing to utilize, and this is the way to articulate it in your answer. So I I, I can sort of see that totally. Bill, next item. Uh, we're going to do the from cell phones to skateboarding, and I know there's been articles in the paper about skateboarding, but this is um, Tony Hawk uses skateboarding to teach community organization skills. So this guy won $125,000 um, in, in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So he's decided to start the skateboard project. So what it does is while well, we all know the that's what the popularity of skateboarding is is becoming really big I mean certainly in the US he is teaching kids that they have a say that it matters they're you know and skateboarding is bringing non-white people people of color uh, white people to people of different nationalities together because everybody can do it and he's teaching these kids also how to build a community, how to make a community safe, how do you include everybody, and all the skills that they need um, in later life to, you know, to to foster a good community. And skateboard is skateboarding is apparently doing it because it's bringing everyone together, and it's they're working together, and they can yeah. work together. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, you can, with skateboards, obviously get as fancy, as expensive, or as inexpensive building your own if you have some degree or finding someone that does. Mm -hmm. So I can see that, whether it's the building of one, whether it's the buying, whether it's the skate park itself, the uniqueness, the what's happening around you. Cool stuff, Bill. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. That's great. Bill Shackleton, The Buzz, we do this Wednesday through Fridays. Remember, this weekend, a new edition of The Best of the Buzz through AMI-audio exclusives does drop, so you can check it out. We're going to step aside for just a couple of moments, folks. On the program, up next, Audible is collaborating uh, to bring modern retellings of Charles Dickens' classic works. The Chatty Bookshelf, Ryan Huey, he's got it for us.
From your TV, guys, look for Kelly and Company. Eastlink customers, channel 887. And Rogers Mountain customers, you guys can find us on channel 889. Wherever you are out there, you can follow us around, folks. AMI.ca slash audio is the right place to find out what, in your area, your cable provider is uh, streaming us. Well, you can listen in to Kelly and Company. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, hosts of the program. Well, you can count on us on Fridays to give you some audiobook recommendations and upcoming audiobook news and trends. Let's bring on Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks. Hey, Ryan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, guys. It's a very nice that it's a Friday and I'm hearing it's good weather outside but good weather or not we're in some good time for audiobook listening oh my goodness the month of November seems to be really great for this because you got your upcoming holidays you have Black Friday you have the American Thanksgiving and that seems to be when all of the newer audiobooks are, are being released and they're flying off virtual shelves everywhere so guys look out for those sales look out for those new releases because i've seen a ton of stuff that i can't even keep up with and uh, my to read list as we say every week is growing even more i can't get through them fast enough so i think i'm gonna have to stop looking i have a challenge for you um in the next year ryan i would love it if you could and we visited this trying to figure out because we look at all the specials, all the gimmicks, all the the PR that goes on to get people into audiobooks, which we love. We think it's fantastic. But I have to ask the question, is there really now a month? You know, they talk about the NFL, that there's always like something month. going on. But what is the worst month? Because in January, you know, we know it's a good time to move on pushing people who are maybe feeling the January blues and stuff like that. You've got so many different dates, obviously, that you Mother's Day, Father's Day, that you can roll stuff around. But and, and so you're, you'd have to be hard on this because, you know, that this time of the year, there's going to be plenty of sales. September, we were talking how big things were and some of the things rolling out. Is there July or somewhere that we know we want great audiobook sales and people reading them and listening to stuff. But is there one month where it is kind of quieter? You know what? I'm really glad that you're asking me this question because I thought when I mentioned my to read list, I thought you were going to challenge me to not buy anymore until I get under a certain <laughs> number. And I was, I was, I Look, was like, Cooey, oh, that no, would be, that would be cruel to do to you. Like, oh my gosh. Be? <laughs> but to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think you can roll into so many things and I, you're, you're right. You know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all those sorts of things. But what I really think is there's a couple of times that go above and beyond that. So your September for back to school, your November for Christmas, uh, your June for audiobook uh, month. I think those are your three big ones right now. But that's not to say that people aren't buying audiobooks because they're they're always seem to be flying off the shelves and you know there's always people loving their uh their favorite authors and favorite narrators so trying to get their their stuff and their work to the top of the list i really think that that's kind of a little bit more of what's going on too and i think that publishers uh authors and narrators themselves are actually figuring that out and saying hey we need to push this maybe we'll release it at this time so there isn't really a slow time anymore nope. and you can mm-hmm. kind of bridge it in with anything. Right. So maybe there's a parenting book you can do. Hey, it's a father's day 
um, such and such kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. right. So it's uh, I, I think you're right. I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. But if I had to suggest three times, it would be probably June, September and November would be the three times where a lot of stuff comes out. Um, and yeah. rightfully so. Well, and it's yeah, tough with because the literary you've got your good reads and stuff too, too right? Right, like you got in 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 the winter, you got good reads, you got so many reasons, yeah, and schools pushing certain things at certain times, and then as the publishers fall into when they're going to have their gimmicks. Well, and it's easier than ever to promote your book, right? It's you know what a hundred characters on Twitter or so, and post a picture, and boom, look, it could it goes out to potentially millions, even billions of people, right? And it's like, well, maybe I should try this book, uh, depending on who sees it and, and where, right? And then people can share that with two clicks of, of their finger. And um, it's really, really easy when you think of, you know, back in the early 2000s, where you're promoting an audio book, it took a little bit more uh, oomph, right? It was a little bit more than just, oh, wait, we got this computer in our pocket and we're going to well, we're At gonna that go point, you were here. still convincing people that audio books were a thing. <laughs> And now so many people are on audiobooks already. And the other thing, too, is in, in a broader literary sense, there are short lists coming out. Like that last quarter of the year is all short lists and award seasons and anticipated books, as you said. So as all these things come out, people are diving um, to read more, to get all that stuff in before the next year. And you know what? And it's never enough, right? Because you always know that there's always that marketing play where it's like, hey, you know, do your do your reading challenge and you want 50 books. Oh, look, you got 35 last year. Let's do. Yeah. So it's like more and more. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much customized availability for you for sales as well as, um, you know, algorithms to read like what to read next. So absolutely. It's pretty awesome. So we let's get in on it. Behind the scenes of Kelly and Ramya. Yeah, there's the audio book, complete with bloopers. Complete with bloopers. Every day is a blooper, right? I'm just going to say, you might as well just listen to the full two hours. Pretty much. So (laughs) listen, we didn't talk to you last week. You were too busy for us, but that's okay. You're back with some amazing stuff. So what's happening? As we know, Audible is probably our trendsetter, right? What they do, everyone seems to be a close second for the most part, right? Generally speaking. And I think this idea is super cool. And it's sort of a spin on a different idea, but they're bringing some stuff back. And I really think this is going to go over well. I think uh, I'm super pumped about it. And uh, it seems that uh, there was a lot of comments on the the articles I was reading and the, and the Twitter posts and the, the Facebook posts that I was reading as well. But I really think that this one's really going to hit it on the nose and they're going to hit it out of the park with this one because it's uh, such a cool idea. I can't wait to tell you guys all about it. Okay. What's happening? Is it a collaboration? Sort of. Uh, so, have you heard of a, a kind of famous author, Charles Dickens? Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, guy. He's got yeah, a, yeah right. So, he's got yeah. a few, he's got mm-hmm. a few a few pretty good books, right? So they're bringing sort of a facelift to some of his stuff. Um, they're partnering. <laughs> Insulting. With, well, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I they're bringing. needed a facelift. <laughs> right, but it's interesting because they're going to put a little bit of a modern spin on it, and they're bringing in some big names. So okay. uh, there is a producer, uh, sort of director, uh, Sam Mendez. If you're not familiar with his work, uh, he was the director on 1917 and American Beauty, won two Oscars there. He's the director on this. And it's really cool what they're doing because they're going to be full cast. And Kelly, you're really going to like this because I think this is the coolest thing is that 
well, there's two parts here. They're filming, they're recording it in the Audible Studios, which is down the street from where everything takes place, using state-of-the-art Dolby sound for uh, all of the the cast members and everything. However, here's the cool part: they're going outside and integrating modern London sounds into the story to give nice. it that theatrical kind of very, feel. You're gonna very get nice. You're going to get the background noise. You're going to get the people talking, the, uh, the the traffic going by, the this and that. But what's even cooler is that the first book is Oliver Twist. They're releasing three titles, and Oliver Twist is set to come out next Tuesday. So I would assume all everything's done. It's just kind of a waiting game. They haven't released the other two titles, which we'll get to that. Um, but you know what? It's really cool because it's going to take part in the neighborhoods mentioned in the Oliver Twist story. So but they're going to get real sound. Yes, the modern neighborhood. So the 20, they'll say 2021, 2022, depending on when they when they actually recorded it, it into the story. And I'm not much of a sound effects guy, but to get the real life stuff, not the, hey, made by a mixer stuff, I really think this is cool. And I, I can't wait to see what it sounds like. Yeah, there'll be a lot of captured great sounds of those neighborhoods. And depending, like you said, in those neighborhoods, there's unique things. There's things that people who know, and and I think we, we are always underselling how many people have been to London, England, or how many people who have lived there. I think you're talking a lot of people will know different sounds that make that up to for the authenticity. And when you think of the neighborhoods that are mentioned Back in the, you know, uh, what is it, 1860s, I guess, 1840s, um, you know, you're now hearing them now. And with that sound around us that so many people, and we've talked about this, Ryan, people are used to podcasts, people are used to, you know, great sound running out and buying AirPod Pluses and whatever, so that for the sound and understanding more reality sound and stuff around you and virtual. So I I think that there'll be so many people soaking this in with their sound systems or popping their their, uh, buds on and really enjoying that element of it. And you know what? Another part of it that I'm really interested to see is do they kind of liven it up a bit bit to be, you know, in the 2020s, right? So yeah. obviously the language we've used in the 1800s is much different than what we're using now. I'd like to actually see a little bit of that, but as to not change and stray too far away from the no. original it's Oliver Twist. It's such a like, great gotta... story that yes. I, yeah. I, you know, the most you might do is change up some of the verbiage, I guess, and, and that kind of thing. I'd still like to see it very rough as it was equivalently i mean you know like there wasn't uh, the what we know as foul language in that sense but there was certainly harsh t- uh, talk and 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 violence so i would love that the overtone that was there to be still be there but it to be something that all can listen to no and and i think that's the key i think that's what audible's going for is that they they have marketed this as um i guess they're calling it an audiobook an audiobook for all ages so i don't think it gets too much into the you know censorship kind of talks but i think you're right they they got to kind of keep it toe that line where okay we're going to make it new and exciting but we can't stray too far away from the story but we want to keep let's say the younger crowd, the tweens, the the 20 somethings engaged um, as they were back in the day. Right. And I think that with this sound, like you said, um, and then with the use, the use of outdoors, this is a new kind of idea. Like let's get some live sounds incorporated into it. And then just going back to it, 
could you imagine if you're listening to this and all of a sudden you hear yourself in the background? Like that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah. I, yeah. right. You just, I, just all of a sudden you're like, I think that was me or, yeah. uh, I, I think it's going to be really, really, uh, an interesting kind of thing. But what interests me, and I don't really like the suspense in this sense is they haven't released the other two titles and I'm going through his work and I'm like, Oh, that would be a good one. And if they're going along the same lines, right. Of, Hey, we're going to incorporate the outdoor noises. We're going to have a, a whole new cast. We're going to switch up the, uh, the language a bit. Like what about a Christmas Carol or what about like uh, David Copperfield? Like there's so many that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sad they're only picking two. Right. I think that uh, they could, if this really catches on, I could see this turning into almost some sort of, realism theatrical series type thing and i think it could catch fire to to bring on other stories into into something like this you might be able to predict which ones based on what you're telling us now that they're their methodology and the way they're they're doing them um it would be very interesting because you see here you know fagan's den the area of of, of england where where that was in jacob's island that or what they referred to as then so i i really wonder if that might be the telltale if you know your uh books um, you might be able to figure it out what they're going to do, and, and not even based on well, which ones are the top selling three, right? And I don't think I don't want to say I don't think it matters which ones are the top selling three, but I think mm-hmm. you're looking more towards the the story and how they can incorporate the this new sort of setting and sound um, into into the story, and I think that's what they're kind of going to be looking for. So it might not necessarily be you know a tale of two cities uh, or or one of those big time titles that. Uh, that that they that everyone knows and loves, right? But I think that probably Sam Mendes as well would have a say in this and say, no, I think we should do this story because this, this, and this. Because you know, if he's the the person behind everything, I think that he'll be able to put something together and and really get after it, kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's definitely a, a great project to get fresh uh, faces. To listen to things by, you know, Charles Dickens or anything like that, right? I think of Shakespeare and that kind of thing, too. And this is obviously not like that. But um, similarly so, where you're trying to get modern um, and younger people to listen. Right. thank you so much. Take care, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Talking about Charles Dickens's work being uh, reproduced through Audible with Sam Mendes. And it's the retail of Audible. Our Oliver Twist that we were talking about. There's some amazing books that we wouldn't even know about, really, or probably peg off. So it'll be interesting if to figure that out. it wasn't for an interpretation, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up next, ladies and gentlemen, let's revisit and uh, weigh in on conversations that we uh, had during the past week. But we've got a special edition, kind of the conversation that was cut due to time. Stick around. Remember to check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. You can listen to the show in segment form. You can listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. Lots of great content to add it on to the vanity cards from this week. So if you're doing a little bit of uh, podcast listing, you might want to go check out those full shows and see what we had for you when it comes to the vanity cards through the week. But also, ladies and gentlemen, take the show in your own way. Maybe it is a favorite contributor. You just want to go listen to their segment. You can do that via the Kelly and Company podcast feed. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts. And on Fridays, we do a segment called Cut for Time. 
uh, Ramya, we started this segment because we got into the the area of, oh, I'd like to add this or I'd like to say that. But our guests were on a topic, were on the move, chatting, and we knew you can't disrupt them. So we, we developed this segment. So we got a bit of time to go back and um, give you a little clip of from a segment and take a listen and we comment. Today, for the first time, we're going to have the conversation that was to be that never was. Yesterday we had some technical difficulties on the program and uh, Brock and Danielle were not able to get into a conversation they, they wanted to get into, a conversation that really is ongoing, has other ramifications as we will talk about in just a moment, uh, that, that continues today. This is uh, something they really felt strongly about, wanted to talk about because impl- implications really are, are province uh, country wide. About 55,000 members of the Canadian Union of Public Employees, QP, began strike action today, with 1,000 more education workers walking off in solidarity. After failing to reach an agreement with union negotiators, the Ontario government passed Bill 28 last night and used Section 33 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to impose a four-year contract on workers. Ontario is now seeking to have the walkout declared illegal by the Ontario Labour Relations Board and actions by union leaders declared unlawful. Danielle, welcome back. Thank you again for covering off uh, on the show with Brock yesterday. We've got a lot of heat as we usually get to with you on Mondays in Know Your Rights, but today something to talk about that is awful enough, students at a school, people not being 55,000 members who feel so unjustly treated, and the use of methods of which make all of us stop and say, well, hold on, what happened to our rights here? So can we start with what is the notwithstanding clause and what is the issue about using it? Well, thank you so much for uh, having me back because I have to say... I. I think both Brock and I were a little disappointed when we didn't have an opportunity to get to this issue since it's such a hot topic uh, at the moment. The notwithstanding clause, and I want you to know that there is masses of disagreement about its use and whether it should even exist. Um, You may remember my guest on Monday, Noah Mendelssohn-Aviv, who is the executive director and general counsel for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, she wrote a uh, an opinion piece in a Toronto newspaper saying it's time to get rid of the notwithstanding clause. And she and I had quite an argument about it this morning. So let me get down to basics. In 1982, when the uh, constitution was to be patri- repatriated to Canada, there was a lot of discussion about what is a democracy. Now, most people believe that a democracy is a form of government in which people get to make the choices and that the people who make those choices are elected by the citizenry, by the populace. Well, you might have noticed that there's one group of decision makers who are not elected in this country, and that would be the judges. Judges are uh, appointed, particularly with reference to the Supreme Court justices, um, and they are not elected by the people. So some people said, if we set up a constitution whereby the last kick at the can, the justices of the Supreme Court can uh, strike down a piece of legislation saying that's not constitutional, 
then that takes away from democracy because it's the elected people have said, you know, this is the kind of law we want. And the Supreme Court says, well, that doesn't comport with the Constitution. You can't do it. Goodbye. What they put in place in order to get to an agreement was the notwithstanding clause, which basically says notwithstanding the charter, notwithstanding the Constitution, we, the province or the federal government, are going to go ahead and pass this legislation nonetheless. We're going to say, yeah, I get that you have freedom of religion uh, in Quebec, and I'm just going to give you this example, Um, but we're passing Bill 21 that says you do not get to wear any um, outward signs of your religion if you are a public employee, even though we, it, you may say it contravenes your freedom of religion and your freedom of expression, notwithstanding, there's that word, this, we're going to do it anyway. Well, the Ontario government has only used it once before, but they've threatened to use it repeatedly in the last four years. But what they did yesterday is they said, notwithstanding uh, labor unions' right to negotiate a solution to uh, a labor standoff, we are going to override that right. You are going to override your freedom of association, which is a charter right. We're going to use Section 33, which is the notwithstanding clause, and we're going to pass a law, which is now called Bill 28, um, and it's going to say, we don't care about those rights. We are going to legislate you back to work, which means you can't strike. Now, normally, if the notwithstanding clause uh, when it was being considered, when people, you know, when, when the people who, who formulated the Constitution and the Charter uh, put this together, they envisioned a situation where everything would go all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court would make a decision, and then it would go back to the province or to the federal government, where they would then um, invoke a notwithstanding clause to to do something that the court had told them they can't do. The Ontario government has used it preemptively. The the labor union, CUPE, hasn't even had a chance to strike. They were told, if you say that you, that, uh, that if we are unable to come to a solution that everybody likes, that you're going to strike, we're gonna invoke the notwithstanding clause and order you back to work. Well, what the union has said is too bad for you. Um, You may say that you can order us back to work. We've given you something like 150 days notice that this was coming, that we we had to renegotiate our contract. You had plenty of time to do this. This is your, you know, sort of last chance, um, you know, to to, uh, really negotiate with us. We've been asking you to do it for a long time. And the government says, nah, off you go. Um, you are now in a situation of an illegal strike. Well, today, thousands of people, not just members of CUPE, there are 55,000 members of CUPE in Ontario. I mean, there there are lots of people who are education workers. This does not mm-hmm. include the teachers, by the way. It includes, as they say, the people who keep our schools safe. Mm-hmm. Now, just a just a, a running example of this. You may not know that many of uh, the schools in Ontario are old. In fact, they're so old that the water 
to the drinking water <laughs> may not be safe no. unless it's flushed for a period of time in er, er, every morning. So that when this, by the time the students come in, if they want to drink from a, a water fountain, uh, they don't have to worry about lead, shall yeah, we say, lead, or other uh, contaminants. Yeah. Well, if you don't have those workers there, if you don't have the janitorial staff, if you don't have the people who work with uh, the children with disabilities, for example, or the CYCs, the, ch the child youth workers, everybody is unsafe. Um, you know, the garbage isn't being taken out. The washrooms are not being um, looked after. So it's a really difficult situation. Teachers are saying, we can't teach in an unsafe school. Um, most of the parents who I have heard speak have said, we can't send our children to school in an unsafe school. So guess what? Kids are home yet again. Um, the government has chosen to enact this because they, their idea is that children should not be out of school, that, you know, we've had enough difficulty with children's education since um, the pandemic. And it's true. I mean, they were out of school for an enormously long time, Ontario more than any other province, by the way. Um, and their solution to that is to use a cannon where a fly swatter might have done the trick. So, you know, these rights, the right, the freedom of uh, association, the right to, to freely assemble, those are rights with a purpose, as are all of our other rights. So, you know, you, you, the, the whole point of being able to get together is that you get together to do something. And right. one of the things you get together to do, if you're a member of a union or an association, is negotiate with your employer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and that has been actually supported by the Supreme Court. So there have been a number of cases where um, provinces have legislated uh, workers back to work. It's, you know, uh, government workers, this is, this is, it doesn't apply to um, pri private workers uh, or in, in private employment. Um, and then this, the, the uh, union has taken the case to court and the courts have overruled the legislation. They, in many cases, they have said, sorry, uh, province, you cannot override a right to, uh, a, to uh, association or a right to negotiate. And they've read this in as a fundamental right, the, the, the right to, to collective bargaining. Well, <laughs> here we are today. Um, mm -hmm. And they have overridden this right in Ontario. Uh, and in my personal opinion, it's very short-sighted because the people who they are um, trying to control are amongst the lowest paid employees. They are people who are in many cases not even um, able to afford to work in the jobs that they are working in. They have to take, you know, secondary or tertiary uh, employment in order just to put the groceries on the table and pay the rent. So when you see that the government in the last little while has um, given the, uh, the the members of parliament a sixteen thousand uh, dollar um, a year increase, and yet these people are living below the poverty line, you have to ask, well, you know, where are your priorities, and what do you think is going to happen when we already have too few people 
working in education, we know that like it's like nursing and, and many other sectors where people are being worked to the bone mm -hmm. and they're being paid very poorly. People leave that kind of employment. That's right. You know, they, Danielle, they say, yes. I have to ask because I'm, I'm more of an opinion here. Good. If we had not had the pandemic, would this be happening today? Good question. I don't know that, you know, it's always hard to, to, no, we're guessing. I, I to feel, guess at the what no, ifs, right, wouldn't. right, Kelly. But I, I, I think probably not. I think that that um, Stephen Lecce, the Minister uh, of Education in Ontario, wants to be seen as the person who who got kids back to school after uh, a period of time. Now, you know, people are saying, "Oh, well, this is after the pandemic." It's not after the pandemic, no, and if not. you. For example, if you look at the emergency um, wards in pediatric hospitals, you'll see there's an overwhelming number of young children with respiratory diseases, uh, including COVID, um, RSV, and, mm -hmm. and flu. Yeah. Um, and that's because it isn't over and because the government in another branch of government has decided, well, we're just going to bypass safety. The question I have is um, do they care about children? You know, it's it's all very well to keep them in school, and I think children do need to go to school. I have no no doubt about that. But you know, sh shouldn't they also be guaranteed a, at least a, a minimal degree of safety mm. while they're in school and health and safety? So we're so. talking about mass mandates possibly coming back. We're talking because mm -hmm. Karen Moore says in Ontario, oh, this is going to probably have to happen, but probably as if. Well, what do you mean? That's like telling yeah. us probably we're going to get snow at some point this this winter, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. We know mm -hmm. it's getting worse. We have the numbers. We see what's going on. We are coping the way we can. I guess what I'm wondering is then, so if we're ordering people back, if we're looking like, okay, I want to make sure these kids are in school, what is the government's position? My view is when we took away mask mandate and all the stuff that, that came with it, that was so business could start back up because it was the the province was in such a way... Are we looking at if we're doing this now, sending these kids back to school, and if the reason isn't protecting the children, is it commerce progress of, of the province? I, I don't it know. It worries me a lot, Kelly. I, I, I can't answer that because I suspect there are many different motives, you know, that different people will will claim, um, you know, and of course the, the, the provincial government says it's, you know, it's for the good of the children. I believe that's short-sighted. I don't think that that they're actually thinking that through. I think we're at a, a a stage where families are really going to have to say, "What is best for my family?" You know, how how can I best avoid the dangers that I know are present? Um, you know, is on. You know, it, it's like when you take a, a prescription medication. All medication has a, has some sorts of side effects. That's there right. are no. Yep. Right. So you have to say to yourself, OK, um, is this prescription going to, on balance, be better for my health and, and, and improve my, my current condition? Or are the side effects going to be something I can't live with? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that, that this is what we're looking at with regard to, um, you know, how we're being uh, you handled know, sort with this. Yeah. The Prime Minister, we have 30 seconds. What, Sorry. Address that, please. Yes. He okay, so disagreed. The yeah, well, the Prime Minister has come out to say that he really objects strongly to Ontario's using the notwithstanding clause here. 
Remember we talked about Bill 21 Monday yes. and we talked about how people uh, were being forced uh, to either quit their jobs or their religion if they wanted to stay in the public sector. And that's because Quebec used the notwithstanding clause and the prime minister has been very quiet about that. Um, should he have spoken out in both circumstances? I leave that to you. Uh, you. You get to decide what you get to decide. I just have one thing that I would like to offer up to our listeners, and it's this. Please vote. Whatever your views are on these things, we had a very low turnout at the provincial election. Please vote. We'll step aside, ladies and gentlemen. That's our Cut for Time edition. Big thank you to Danielle McLaughlin and Brock. They put this together yesterday to have a conversation we couldn't get for it. That's to get to it. That's what Cut for Time's about. We'll wrap up the show and tell you what's ahead after this. Wonderful conversation with Danielle McLaughlin in our Cut for Time segment. I just want to remind you, any of the content through the week that you're on the program, do check out the Kelly & Company podcast from your favorite podcast platform. We'd appreciate it if you give us a rating and review and subscribe. Ramya, anything particular today you want to suggest people go back to? Well, it was a pretty big scare, and we have some of these scares often with John Beeler on our app update. Uh, today, it was just a lot about privacy, specifically about your contact information being available through Meta, uh, not even perhaps because of your own doing, but because somebody else may have uploaded your information through that whole share your address book feature. So anyway, he was talking about deleting that and and the whole roundabout version to do so. Uh, Also, Google came up with search results and how to delete your, for example, your contact information off of Google search results. So um, scarring. It's definitely scarring. Mm, for certain. And, and you always stop and say, well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to not? That's a lot. How come it's there? Oh, I'll think about mm-hmm. it tomorrow. Charles Dickens was on the mind of Ryan Huey in the chatty bookshelf today. And really great content starting with Oliver Twist coming out next week. And a full cast version of it uh, recorded by Audible. It's, it sounds absolutely tremendous, including going out and recording on site. You may want to check out uh, what he told us about it today and visit that segment via the Kelly and Company podcast. Now, AMI-audio, responsible for a lot of podcast content at any given time. And uh, I read off earlier in the show a bunch that are available that have dropped this week for you to check out. Ramya, though, also wants to remind you of one of the ones I mentioned. Yeah, so I'm going to highlight two podcasts for you that you can check out over the weekend. Uh, You can download Low Vision Moments for the latest with Jenny Bovar. Jenny joined us on Monday uh, to talk about the podcast, and that was a really fun conversation. But this week, the episode features... Uh, Jenny and her goalball buddy, John, and they discuss whether, I love these words, uh, whether a broken glass is still half full. They also talk about shoveling under the influence and disappearing dryer balls. Literally just sounds like all kinds of low vision moments. So this episode titled Bad Housekeeping is available now on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, Also, you can join myself and Nisreen Abdel-Majid at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday 
for AMI audiobook review, fresh episode there as well. This week, we have Karen McKay and Teresa Power from the Center for Equitable Library Access. They're highlighting the general or sorry, the Governor General shortlists that are out now. Lots of great familiar and new books on those shortlists. Also, we're uh, highlighting and recognizing Transgender Awareness Month. They have some featured titles um, involving characters or authors or stories of transgender people. So it was a really nice conversation we had with Karen and Teresa. You can check it out tomorrow on AMI-audio, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, or download the podcast. Great podcast content available to you, or listen live here on AMI-audio and settle back and enjoy. Um, Really wonderful conversation with Danielle McLaughlin. And again, folks, uh, as Danielle said, go out and vote, but really it's your opinion. You're entitled to it. She shared with us some of the things going on in the province of Ontario right now with legislation, back to school, and a lot of it coming off on our rights. And, And for me, when are we going to use this again and what constitutes the reason to use it? Um, what sectors are we going to say, oh, well, that's important to legislate them back, but uh, who cares about helping that out or, or what the public has to deal with in the meanwhile? And uh, you, you don't want to take people's rights away. And we, we know that's a big concern, Ramya. And uh, interesting to see what, what happens, but hopefully quick resolutions and mm-hmm. good resolutions, too, that hopefully keep people happy and not sure that's possible. Um, but we've got to do what we can. We'll we talk to you next week. situations evolve. Yes, we will. Talk soon. Uh, folks, you can use Microsoft Word online to transcribe audio. Michael Babcock, he'll be explaining the benefit to this feature on Monday. Brock Richardson will drop in with our weekly sports update. Joining us to talk about the second season of AMI-TV's Fashion Disc and to let us know how you can be casted is the host of the show, Ardra Shepard. The Gladstone Theatre in Ottawa is back with a radio play for Remembrance Day titled Voices from the Front, the radio show. Community reporter Kim Kilpatrick, she'll be here with the details. On our CNIB Smart Life chat, we're joined by Smart Life coaches Mason and Maria to discover great accessible gifts for the holiday. And Danielle McLaughlin returns on Know Your Rights when she discusses the federal Bill C-22, the proposed Canada Disability Benefit. Producers for the show, Grant Hardy. Uh, Ramya Muthan, uh, Marianne Dion Jones, uh, visual producer Jeff Ryman, senior producer Matt Agnew, live production manager Paula Deneen, manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Enjoy your weekend, folks. The gateway's open. Now, get out of here, will ya? It's amazing how far away some things seem to be. And when I say that, I had to go into Toronto to shoot some promos for Kelly and Ramya as we're getting things together to publicize the show and really ready for the January 9th launch. Um, You know, I think about being in the office and there wasn't a lot of people around. Then I made a call today to check out some train times, just getting ready for a couple of other things going on. And I'm not loving the running around, of course, because, well, I'm just generally lazy, but you still get concerned. I do anyway about the virus. I know a lot of you have tired of all this stuff and hey man, I I, I am too, but I also don't want another brush with it. Also, I don't want to pass it on to anyone. So those are the things that kind of stick in my mind, but I, like everyone, I want to get out there. I want to I want to do things when I have to and that's part of the work world that I'm I'm in. I have places that I've got to go and be and because I'm blind, I have to use transit. Anyway, I I made a call to find out a few things, and in the background, I can hear the other staff members. Now, I know at AMI, the area that we used to have a lot of staff sitting in together, 
that area is being adjusted and just not going to happen the way it was going to be. There is more of the hoteling where, you know, people are working from home. And then when they're in the office, other people are working from home. And just by the nature of what we've, what direction the company is going in and some of the changes that, that a lot of you are aware of, if you, uh, you know, follow Accessible Media Inc. and that's the TV and audio side or over at AMI Tele. Um, some of the, uh, you know, changes that, that have, have occurred this year. So that leads to maneuvering people in different ways. But some places, such as when I called our friends at VIA, you have a place where people are answering your questions and you can hear others, hear how close they are. And I asked the lady there, are you comfortable with that? And she said, yeah, we're, we're pretty good. I don't know what that means. I don't know. What is she going to tell me? Maybe they, you know, other than none of your business or no, man, I'm terrified or no, sir. I don't care. I'm sick of the virus. You never know. So I try not to get too much into it, but it was just that recognition that, wow, everywhere, everyone's doing something a little different, but let's be fair. Our world is very different. Anyway. Enjoy the weekend. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.